Hey everyone, this is Dave Broadbeck, um, coming to you just before the start of the winter 2017 term. Uh, the lecture you've downloaded is from, uh, or you're streaming, you could be streaming it, it could be streaming, maybe not downloading, anyway, user technicalities and don't matter that much, is from uh, Psychology 3256, Advanced Univariate Statistics. It's, of course, needs to be called Design and Analysis 1, that uh, we changed the name. Um, so this is the lecture. There's also uh, our YouTube video. So you want to check those out. So you just have to search on YouTube for my name, um, and you'll see a playlist of Psych 3256 for this uh, coming year. Uh, thanks a lot for downloading, and I hope you enjoy it. Uh, the chance of anybody actually enjoying a statistics le lecture, I just think is pretty good. Indeed, there used to be a person in our apartment, a student, who we called T-Test, because he would constantly ask the question, would that be a T-Test? So that became his nickname. <laughs> it did. Actually, he might have even helped you guys out in 2126 sometimes, Mike Storzak. Can you guys know him? Yeah, T-Test. That was his nickname. Paul and I called him T-Test. Okay. All right, so today, like I said, T-Test, something that we all know about. Um, oh, look, I changed it. It looks nicer now. Um, remember to find the probability of a given value of a variable. This is what we did last time with, with the, the probability mass function. So any variable uh, that's normally distributed, you'd use the old, our old friend, the z-score. You look it up in the table. So you get x minus mu, divide by sigma. In other words, you're doing, you're getting standard deviation units. You divide by, so x minus mu, difference from the mean, divide by standard deviation. You get a z-score, you look it up in a table. And uh, as old people say, then then Bob's your uncle. I don't know what that expression means. It's something people say. And then Bob's your uncle. No, I have an uncle Bob. I have an uncle Bob. Really? So, and then we go see her uncle Bob. And he has his head table. And everything's great. You're a good group. I enjoy the laughter. And the, the enjoyment. By the way, all you guys, I don't know if you know this, all the... This is picking up everything you're saying, and it goes on YouTube as well. Oh. It's, <laughs> um, it's a pretty good microphone for that. So we've done that. You've done that. No one ever does it in real life because nothing's. We ever know real standard deviations, but it's a it's a start. We, we do this for a reason. We start you here for a reason. Um, and that's being sarcastic. That isn't that that interesting. It's never coming up funny. I'm probably, it's probably because I'm running 800 different apps right now. We're usually dealing with means, not individual values, right? We're not dealing with individual values. We don't care if, except under very specific circumstances, uh, one of them perhaps be, oh, I don't know, uh, your GRE score when you apply to grad school. Uh, you want to know your actual percentile. Sure. That's about the only one I can think of. Or, oh, maybe when you have a little baby and you take him in and they say, you know, he's in the 63rd percentile for height. No one calls baby height in big length because they don't stand up. And he's in the, the 53rd percentile for weight. Everything's fine. With my son, he's, like, he's in the 98th percentile of everything. He's going to be a giant. That's really his head table. That's what the doctors looked up. The doctors don't know that because they forgot all their stats because they're sitting around bathing their money. <laughs> they sleep on beds of money, most of these. Okay. Um, 
We're, we care about needs, right? Is this group different than this group on average? So instead of knowing about the distribution of X, we want to know what the distribution of X bar. And I talked even about this the other day, about the sampling distributions and the sampling distribution of the mean, which is just a distribution of all the values the mean can take. And, you know, their associate probabilities. You know this, right? Now this, you are to memorize. Now, again, it's an open book test, which is in cares, but this is something you should know. You should take this to heart. You should say this to yourself as you go to sleep each night. It should become something you just said. Given a population with a mean mu and a variance sigma squared, the sample distribution of the mean will have a mean of mu, mu sub x bar equals mu. And a variance of sigma squared divided by n. As n increases, this distribution approaches normal no matter what the shape of the parent population distribution. There's a reason I bolded that. That's a really neat, important thing. We always get a normal distribution for sampling distributions of the mean. We always do. And I know a lot of times you hear people say, well, once you get to about 30, it's normal. Once you get to about an n of about 5, it's basically normal. Thirty, basically, it's almost indistinguishable. But by about an n of about five, you're going to get a normal, basically a normal distribution. It's pretty amazing. We talked about that the other day about rolling a die or flipping a coin. I imagine no one here actually rolled a die ten times and got the mean score and did it a thousand times and plotted it. Anyone? No. Okay. Yeah. But you would get a normal. Fair enough. Questions? You've seen this before. This has a proof that we're not going to go into because I can't remember it, and it wouldn't help anybody. As I've said before, there is a proof. That if you want to see it, you can come out so I can show you, or we can pretend you're all Catholic and I'm Pope Dave the First, and I'm completely <laughs> I'm that new young Pope on HBO. It's me and Jude Law. See that? Is that true? It looks okay. I've watched the first half of the first episode. Well, no, whole first episode. It's a little weird. Okay. You know this. This is something that was told to you in 2126 that was drilled into you. No problem. Okay. Any questions before I move the slide? Not yet. Not yet? Please. Okay. Don't, you, you don't, don't move it? Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll uh, perhaps perform a song. <laughs> All it's saying is that if the mean of the variable is 10, the mean mean you will get, which is a weird thing to think of, the mean mean, the mean of the means would also be 10. And if the variance is, I don't know, 100, and you've collected 10 pieces of data, 100 divided by 10, so it's n of 10, you're going to get a variance of 10 for the sampling distribution of the mean. Okay? Make sense? You good? Okay. We're moving. This is a very powerful thing when you think about it. It actually is one of these really neat things because. 
when you put your when you, when you sort of put your head around this, there's a lot of power for like inferential power in this. The population distribution shape does not matter. We know the shape of the sampling distribution. We don't have to know anything about the population distribution shape. We can make guesses. We don't have to make guesses. It doesn't matter because no matter what, it's going to be normal. That's really cool, actually. That's a really weird property of the, of the universe. It's very neat. Random sampling maps. This assumes a random sample. Now, it doesn't matter nearly as much as you probably have been told it does. But it matters some. But it doesn't matter a great deal. So there's a, the estimate of the mean, that's mu being the mean of sampling distribution, mean of x bar. It's very resistant to violations of that assumption. Okay. So that estimator has a lot of resistance. It's technical. So it can, it can deal with that violations of that assumption very well. So we could do this. I could do a completely non-random cell. I'm going to do a random cell. I just use like alphabetical order and do heights in our room and do it like 20 times and I get a normal distribution even though it's not random. I know it. I put money down. I bet you a week to pay. Two weeks. You can get a couple of cases of beer with that. I'm actually paid okay. I'll almost paid what I'm worth. Not quite. No, yeah, not, not quite there. Another thirty grand, and I'll probably pay what I'm worth. So, if we so to find out the probability of some mean of some mean, because that's what we care about, we just use our old friend. Hello, old friend. Z score. How are you? Because that says, basically, it's going to be normal, so we can use that distribution. It's got, we know what the mean is, the probability, uh, sorry, we know what the mean of the sampling distribution is, it's going to be the same as mu, and we can calculate the variance, it's going to be sigma squared over n, so we just divide that, or sorry, the square root of that quantity, we get sigma over root n, and we're in business. Question so far? Yeah, please. Could you uh, present this to us with an example? Yeah, sure. So, uh, wait a second. I think, I think the next thing's an example. Yes, I can. In fact, <laughs> I prepared a slide that does that. So just wait a second. Other questions? Good question. Wait a second. I think I have a slide. Anything else? Okay. So let's say I do it a second. We'll get there. But we can think of this right here. So what happens for our z is it's still the thing we're interested in, that's x, minus the mu, the minus the mean, divided by the variance, or the sort of standard deviation. But now it's going to be x bar, because we're interested in means. It's still minus mu. Technically, that's mu sub x bar, because that's the mean of the sampling distribution. But we know that that's just that. And we know the expected value of this is this sigma over root n. Your example's coming up next. So it's, it's funny, when you, a lot of times in stats, when you, you first learn it, 
it's presented that this is a different formula. This is the Z formula for, for, for means, and it actually isn't a different formula. We've subbed in. That's all we've done. Right? We want to know what X bar, not X. We know about mu. It's, mu's gonna, it's really mu sub X. And we know that the standard deviation is sigma over root n now because it's a sampling distribution. It's a mean. So it's actually not a different distribution at all. The different formula, sorry. Or distribution. Okay. So that's how we got here. Now an example. Let's say 25 subjects are given an IQ improvement course, which they're wasting their time. They are wasting their time and their money. And we test their IQs after the, the, this course, after we've stolen their money. And they end up with a mean of 110. Okay. IQ improvement course. Their IQs are tested after they take this course. They have an IQ, oh, an average IQ of 110. We have randomly selected these people from the world. In a world where people are randomly selected for IQ tests, one man has the courage to love. <laughs> I love the in a world guy. It's one of the greatest guys ever. He died recently, right? Where did the in a world guy die? In a world where the in a world guy died. I always thought that was like a computer. No, like, no, 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 that's not a guy. just one guy. That's one guy. Yeah. It's the inner world guy. He's, in the, he's got a union. He's the only member. <laughs> so, we know that IQ of the population is a mean of 100. That's the way IQ tests are designed. We know that IQ, the reason we use IQ all the time is we know the variance and the standard deviation. Variance is 245, standard deviation, therefore, is 15. Okay? So the nice thing about that is now we can use this information to answer the question, did, it, did our IQ improvement course work? Okay. Did it work? Well, the way to solve that, the way to figure that out is to put it into, to find out how likely it is in the, in the population, if we randomly selected 25 people to get a mean IQ of 110. How likely is that to happen? That's really the question we're asking. Our HO, if you want, is that mu equals 100, and our HA is that mu is not equal to 100. Or we could make a directional say mu is greater than 100. We could hope that the IQ improvement course wouldn't drop people's IQs. The IQ improvement course just involves me punching you in the face. That might drop your IQ. It just involves a series of minor amounts of brain damage. Where do I come up with that? You know, I what you think? I say everything that comes to mind. I edit it a lot. There's a lot of really offensive stuff out of my brain that I don't say. And a lot of really offensive stuff I do say. But still! Okay. So, this is what we do. Here we are. Z equals X minus X bar minus B over sigma divided by root N. So 110 is the mean we're interested in to see how likely it is. We know what the mean of the population is. It's 100. We divide by 15 
That's a sigma divided by the square root of 25. It's amazing how I decided to use something where I didn't have to use a calculator to figure out the square root. The square root of 25 is 5. So then we go, it's 10 over 15 divided by 5, or 10 over 3, which is 3.33, which actually, it's exceedingly unlikely to get a z-score of 3.33 if the population has a mean of 100 and a standard deviation of 15. In fact, it's so unlikely, I bet that that entry is not even in your textbook, in the z-table. Most of them only go up to 3. I looked it up. The probability of getting a Z greater than 3.33 is less than 0.00043. I didn't look it up. I put it in my calculator. I calculated a Z test. That I bought on the first day of graduate school. I still have it. And I borrowed money from my TA because I had no money. But he was in the bookstore at U of Q. It was the weirdest thing. There's 60 some odd thousand students at U of T. Right? And I'm in the bookstore. Trying to, I get a calculus, I, I, and I, I throw my wallet because I'm an idiot. And this is before uh, there was interact. You could use these papery things called cash. And so I was like, what am I going to do? And I didn't cry. It was a dog. <laughs> I was a little concerned. And then this guy walks by and said, You're a new grad student, right? And so I went, Uh huh. He said, you need the cal- what do you buy the calculator for? I said, well, for stats class. He said, I'm your TA. How much is the calculator? I said, it's like 20 bucks. I said, here's 20 bucks. Just pay back. He is now the chair of the psych department at Dartmouth College in the States. Todd had a meeting this Thank you, Todd, for buying me my calculator. Which I didn't pay him back for. He also helped me move once. Um, <laughs> which was really nice. He had a pickup truck. It's from Calgary. They have to have pickup trucks out there. It's the law. It's kind of like here. It's a legal thing. It's in the Constitution. It's at the back. It's, it's in the footnotes. You must have a calculator and a pickup truck and a snow machine. It's not nearly as funny as you're making this out to me. You guys are laughing at me, not with me, aren't you? You're making fun of me. It's Maria laughing. Okay. So Maria, maybe Maria, she's laughing at me again. You're not laughing. No, it's funny because it? it's true. Yeah. That's what I'm going for. That's yeah, what I'm going for. It's an observation of I'm a lot like Seinfeld. What's the deal on pickup trucks? So, this stuff is so dry and boring that I have to keep interested by constantly doing bits. This is completely, by the way, me doing this on purpose. Um... Seriously, this is pretty easy. Pluses and takeaways. I'm being sarcastic. Why? Give me questions on Because, I mean, you haven't done this in a while. Is it a good example? Yeah, yeah it's a good example. It's an example that would... <laughs> Apparently, I, this IQ improvement course works. Okay, great. There is a problem here. Problem one is there's no such thing as an IQ improvement course, but um, we typically don't know sigma for a population. I can usually come up with a value for a mean. That's easy. In fact, that's usually our question. But uh, the standard deviation, and the exam, that's why the examples in stats, intro stats textbooks are always about IQ, or they're about some industrial process. GE light bulbs have a blah, 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 and a standard deviation of 22.2 days of life. They probably do know that kind of thing in those situations, but, you know, the kind of stuff we do, looking at 
human behavior, animal behavior, we, we don't know those things, except with IQ, which is a weird, a weird kind of area. Well, wait a second. The expected value of, of S squared is sigma squared, isn't it? Right? It's an unbiased estimator of sigma squared. S squared. Right. Well, that's a thing. We can probably use that. That seems like useful information. And it must be because I wouldn't just put stuff up here that was trying to mislead you. Well, except for that thing about the mean absolute deviation a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> we could just sub S squared into sig for, for sigma squared. We need the Z formula. We can try that. Oh, but we now have two possible sampling distributions. We have one for the mean. And now we also have one for the variance. Because it's going to change every single time we take a sample, the variance will be a little bit different. It's got a sampling distribution too. And we were so close. So we can't just put it in and on its own. We know that the sampling distribution of S squared, or S doesn't make that is going to depend on N minus 1, or on N, sorry. Because when we calculate, when we calculate this, right, we calculate S squared, it equals sum of the x's minus x bar squared divided by n minus 1. And then if you want to take the square root of that to get the standard deviation, that's fine. It's going to depend on n. So to depend on it. So we have to somehow take that into account. We can't just use the nice thing about Z table is we don't care about the number of subjects. Participants. I'm gonna call them subjects. <laughs> I don't know why people care about that. I really don't, but I care about you called subjects. Does anybody actually think it's bad to call people in an experiment? I know you're not supposed to do it, and I wouldn't do it. That's fine. If those people, I, I told you guys the story about the animals, and I said I'm not calling them. Participants. But does anybody actually think it is? Because I mean, how old? Does it sound pejorative to call your people you're studying your subjects? Does it? Okay, maybe that's because we're psychologists and we've seen it written in papers so much. That's probably that one's always. Maybe it really is mean. It makes them sound like, makes us all sound worse than Hitler. But I, I don't think it does. There's <laughs> real world, you know, there's real problems in the world. That's sort of my view. But whatever. I'm sorry I went on that little editorial. We have to care about the number of humans or whatever. Peoples. So we can't just use Z, but we use something similar to Z. Something very similar to Z. We will use T. Discovered by a guy named Gossett, who went under the name Student, which is pretty cool because he wasn't allowed to publish. He wasn't supposed to publish under his own name. Wasn't supposed to publish under his own name. He worked for Guinness Brewery. Charles and Gossett. And they said, you can't publish under your own name. They didn't mind this, but they're scientists because they, breweries have a lot of scientists. They didn't mind them publishing. They just said, don't publish under your own name. We don't want some other company poaching you, basically. So just publish under a pseudonym. So he publishes this, calls himself student, which is kind of, that's why it's called the student's tea distribution. But he's a statistician in a brewery. It's like my dream job. <laughs> so what do we have here? Whoops, let me go back. Sorry. 
Sorry about that. So that's the Z, sorry, the T distribution. That's the sort of vanilla one, the regular one, the one that you've seen before for one sample T test, right? X bar minus U divided by S over root M. We have, in essence, just taken something like the T test and replaced the signal with an S. Okay? That's what we've done there. That's what we've done there. So that's the logic of it. changes depending upon the number of observations, the n, because, because the sampling distribution of S depends on n. So it's going to change depending upon n. So the, what we call the critical value of T, the one we're trying to exceed to find statistical significance, is going to change depending upon n. And as n gets bigger, T approaches n, and they become indistinguishable. So the reason freedom to estimate sigma squared by calculating S, S squared, to be more precise, are what we actually care about. So we have, the question you ask yourself is, how many values did we fix to calculate S? And if you look at that, we fixed one of them. We have to know the mean to calculate X. That's one restriction we've put on it. So we have lost a degree of freedom. So we've lost the degree of freedom. So in this case, with the sort of one sample t test, we have n minus one degrees of freedom. Little n minus one. It's this is a pretty powerful technique because you actually don't have to know anything about the population. You don't have to know the shape of the distribution. You don't have to know the standard deviation. You have to know the mean, but that's, you're always going to know that. Right? Because you're already asking the question, is this different from whatever, some theoretical value I have? So you're always going to know that. So that's actually pretty amazing. And the main thing is it actually works. I mean, this is the thing that is, is kind of striking about it. Questions? There's going to be, I think I have an example there too. So, yep. No worries there. All right. Questions? Again, I know you've seen this before, but don't feel bad about asking questions. For some of you, it was a couple, it was literally almost, uh, it was, for some of you, it could be as far as a couple of years ago, or at least a year ago. So don't feel bad about asking questions. Okay? Yeah, second semester? Yeah? Of second, second year. Of second year. And you're yeah. in, are you in first semester of third year? Or sorry, second semester of third year now? Yeah, so it's been a year for you. And that's probably... Yeah, first no, first semester, yeah, so you're playing a year and a half. Yeah. 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 It's a while, right? I don't remember if I had a first semester. Could you have a first yeah, semester? Yeah, you were in first semester. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, first semester? So you all had a first semester. Oh. These guys take all their courses together. <laughs> they, they get together and they plan. They also... Uh, it's too bad you're not just two of you aren't wearing something identical because I do know what that would be. Okay. What? No, if two of you were wearing identical clothes of some sort, I would say that they also kick the same sweater, but you don't. I'm wearing my work shirt. Where do you work? Too Okay. I, uh, there used to be two people in a class that always took the same class together. These two young women were in a class uh, of five years, eight years ago. They took all their classes together. 
And it was weird, because one time, one of them was in a class without the other one. And I said, so, where's Sarah? Where's Sarah? She's not in this class. I said, well, how are you going to go on? <laughs> I will say, the two of them made up a book of quotes of things I said and gave it to me on their last day here, which was really neat. And I didn't realize some of the things that I'd said. Because there would be little references of what I said to them. Anyway. I'm not saying I want gifts from you, because I'd rather, like that, like homemade, I don't want homemade crap. I like uh, LCBO gift cards. Okay. Fine scotch, high end gin. Um, just say it, let's say you have to. And it would not help your market in the least, I can tell you that as well. But it would make me happy. And really, that's why you're here. Uh, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. So, okay, let's see, we had pairs of observations. So before and after. Let's see if we get the IQ thing. Instead of going 110 to 100, we weren't very confident that we'd have a random sample. Let's see if they actually improved. So in that case, uh, let's erase this. We had people who measured their IQ before and after. And we got like, you know, 110 and 112, and I don't know, 98 and 96, and 100 and uh, 4. 100, no, 140, that's no good, that's ridiculous. 104, that's better. Uh, and we had uh, 122 and 127. Okay. These are the same people. These are the same people. So now, what's our question? Our question is, is that difference, that's why it says X bar sub D, is this difference greater than zero? Right? So the difference here is going to be 2 and uh, 96, 98, negative 2. And 4 and uh, 5, 5. Yeah. So let's see. 0, so 4, 4, 5 is 9. 9 divided by 4, so it's 2 and a half. So now the difference is two and a half plus two and a half. Okay. Is that greater than zero? So you would say, is, and you, you say, what do you say, Dave? You have an x bar sub d, but no minus mu. We're going to use zero because you always are interested in as a change from zero, right? Because the null hypothesis is there's no difference, right? Make sense? So if we were to calculate this, in this case, let's see if I can do this in my head. So we got two and a half on the top, divided by <coughs> S sub P divided by the root of N. Oh, N is four, so squared is two. Now I've got to calculate, it's two and a half. So we've got a half, and then we've got so two and a half, plus four, quarter, one and a half, one and a half, one It's going to be about two minus two and a half is a half, and then we got negative two minus two and a half is four and a half, 
And then we've got four minus two, that's one and a half. I'm just doing the deviations here. And that's going to be also two and a half. Two and a half squared, two answers are going to be five. No, six point two five. And one and a half, 15 squared, 225, 16, 25, and four and a half squared is going to be. You know, um, just doing it. Roughly 18, I'm not doing it all in my head, so it's going to be that. 20, 27, about 30. Screw that. Four. So it's about three. It's three ish. Okay? It's three ish. You want to calculate it again? I'm just calculating. Remember what I said before, if you don't know the answer, let's pretend it's three. Two and a half divided by one and a half. What did I get two and a half? No, just the two. What two? Oh, yeah. square root of uh, four. Oh. Yeah, that's all it is. Oh. Yeah. So then it's two and a half divided by three halves, which is one and a half. What do you get? A number less than one. That's all we can care about here. It's so low. Yeah, I didn't get to ask you. Oh, oh I just I made up a number. If we were. Oh, if you were to do it, it's a standard deviation of all those numbers from this, the, 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 uh, difference. the difference. Yeah, that's all it is. It's just standard deviation. That's all it is. Even though it's from differences, the numbers don't know where they come from. So you can calculate them. It's like calculating the mean of a bunch of means. The numbers don't know where they come from. It sounds weird. So the nice thing is here, we look that up and go, well, we already know. That's going to be a. So it's not going to be later, less, it's not going to be less than one, but it's not going to be a lot greater than one. And then we look up a critical value with n minus one degrees of freedom. N minus one is, in this case, three. We look up the critical value with three degrees of freedom for t. Does that exceed it? I'm sure it doesn't. And we're done. And we say, no, it doesn't work. Ha-ha! I don't know why I did the ha-ha, the evil laugh, but I did. Whoa! Jump right at me there. <laughs> Put it over there. This could be used, that was for the same person, we could use for pairs of observations too. Right? We could use for pairs of observations. Um, sort of matching, match pairs. So if we wanted to do something where, I, so we'd match on the variable. Let's say we have something we think, a drug that will uh, reduce blood pressure. Maybe we want to match on blood pressure. We have two groups in one group, so we have pairs, and we find out we don't care about anything else but blood pressure. And we find out that I have exactly the same blood pressure. Uh, so we are one pair, and you're giving the drug, and I'm not giving the drug. And then you guys are another pair. And we go like that. We're basically treating us like we're the same subject, you like we're the same subject. You can do that too. That's a pretty dangerous thing to do. Uh, statistically, because you're now throwing out any other possibility that any other variable matters. So blood pressure better be bloody <laughs> important. <laughs> like I say, if your subjects are different, now they are different on everything except what we match on. You don't do that that often. The, the idea of repeated measures you do, sure. Okay, questions?
So not that far off. It's close to three. Okay. What if your pairs aren't matched? What if you have two groups of subjects? Well, then you should just run for the hills. If I put more production value into the podcast right now in the background, you would hear Run to the Hills by Iron Navy. But I'm not doing that. That's too much work. I had a copyright violation. Um, or maybe you have two populations. Well, that's the question you're asking. Are these two, are they, are these two groups come from two separate populations? Or they come from the same population? I was giggling to myself there because I thought about starting the same run to the hills and deciding to cancel. <laughs> I have that album. It's vinyl, actual vinyl. I got a, I got a turntable, though. USB turntable that converted to MP3. It's pretty cool. Because I'm old. I'm old! I now know I'm old because my son asked me to buy music. I tell him he gets a song every week. And, but he also has a $50 iTunes balance for Christmas. He gets me to buy just shitty music. It's just... Sounds okay. He said, get the degree day off. I can do that. I would have bought that anyway. Yeah, it's pretty good. But then there's a lot of other stuff that isn't good. It's demonstrably bad. Like, anyway. Our hypotheses are as follows. HO's new... One equals Mew Two. Mew Two, of course, my favorite band. Ha <laughs> ha! <laughs> I have a Mew Two cop. I've been in my office. There's Mew Two posters. I've seen them six or seven times. It's the closest thing I have to a religion other than the Montreal Canadiens. <coughs> so, and the other hypothesis, of course, is that Mew One is not equal to Mew Two. It could be that we could go directional. Let's not. Let's just say we're going to be conservative and say there's not the same. And when we say mu1 equals mu2, we're also saying, by extension, it's, it's sigma squared sub 1 equals sigma squared sub 2. They're exactly the same population. Okay? I can't get run to my hills, run to the hills by iron maiden out of my head. <laughs> All right. Questions? You've seen that before, right? Yeah. Okay. So let's, the original T formula is this. We've seen it before. You'll see it again. You will love it. X bar minus mu over S divided by root n. Sure, you know that. It's a classic. There's our statistic that we're interested in. There's HO is here. And that's error. So the statistic is x bar, the HL parameter is mu, and the standard deviation, the error is, the, is, the, is this on the bottom, it's called the error. This is actually called the standard error of the mean. You'll see that in these suckers. I like to think of it as a, just a, I like the word error here. It's just a measure of sampling error, that's all that is. Right. So this is our old formula. Let's take this 
and substitute all the stuff about two groups into this. That's how we got this formula in the first place, from the Z formula. Let's try it like this. So x bar, x bar 1 minus x bar 2 minus mu sub 1 minus mu sub 2 over some estimate of error. Now, practically, that's this, x bar 1 minus x bar 2 over error, because practically, mu 1 minus mu 2 should equal 0 in each of because they're the same. So it's the same thing with, with, with the repeated measures here, or paired match pair t test here. So practically, it's this. Now we need an estimate of error. Variances have to be weighted because variances are dependent upon the number of subjects. They're dependent on the number of subjects. We have to weight them. We're going to divide them by their respective ends to standardize them. We're going to divide, divide by the respective ends to, to, to standardize them. Okay. So now our formula looks like this. T equals x bar sub 2 minus x bar sub 1 all over the square root of s squared sub 1 divided by n1 plus s squared sub 2 divided by n sub 2. That whole quantity together, square root of that. So really, we have the same, it's the same formula. It's actually exactly the same. It all comes from the same place. It really is the same. All we've done here is we've just subbed in again. It's the same way we got to the t in the first place. So we've got the value for the statistic, the value for HO, the parameter for HO, and the value for error. We subbed all those in. And we get this formula. Okay? Questions so far? equal, and when I say equal, how much is not equal? Well, they're not going to be exactly equal ever. If they're, if they're exactly equal, something really weird's happened. But it's like, how unequal do they have to be? Well, there's a rule of thumb if one's four times bigger than the other one that people usually use. They usually say, is it four times bigger than the other one? Then we'll change how we do this. So if one's four times bigger than the other one, or a lot of times you look at something, like, these two batches of numbers look different, but I need to get a significant t-value I wonder if it's a problem with the variances. So instead, what we do is we calculate something called a pooled variance. It's a pooled variance. S squared sub p equals m1 minus 1 times s squared sub 1, and then this plus n2 minus 1 times s squared sub 2. 
divided by a2 plus n1 minus 2, because we've lost 2 degrees of freedom. We have lost 2 degrees of freedom because we have estimated 2 means. We put 2 means in there, right? So we lost 2 degrees of freedom, not just 1. The rest of this stays the same. We just do it here, okay? The rest of the t formula stays the same. So how many degrees of freedom? This many, n1 plus n2 minus 2. Because we've estimated two quantities, x bar 1 and x bar 2. So all you care about now, you do the calculation of what the heck it is, and you divide by, or so that you look up what the critical value is for whatever degrees of freedom are, and you see, is our T obtained, is it greater than our T critical? And if it is, we say it's statistically significant, and we go from there. So the question always is, is it statistically significant? Is T obtained greater than T critical? And as convention, by the way, I said, what if you get a negative number for your T? Always put the biggest number as your first mean. That's just the way to do it. Then you'll never have to worry about it being negative. Because then if it's negative, you can say, is it is the critical T value, and I think the absolute value of it, then just make the biggest one first. Put the biggest one first. The interesting thing is, this is actually an approximation. This was done. There's a better way to do this that I'm not going to show you how to do by hand because it's horrible to do by hand. But there's a way to do this with, with what are called partial degrees of freedom. And if you did this with SPSS, and all you have there, pull it up in SPSS, you, you create two variables. And then there's a, under analyze, you do compare means. And it'll give you this one. It'll say, it'll give you one with pooled variance. It'll say that. It'll say equal variances or unequal variances, I think is what it says, or it says unequal or equal variances and pooled variances. It says one or the other. This one with the pooled variance is unequal variance, or it'll say pooled. But then it'll say something with partial degrees of freedom. It'll have like 11.3 degrees of freedom. That's actually a better way to do it. But doing it by hand, this is so close to being the same that it doesn't matter for all practical purposes. But the partial degrees of freedom one's probably better. It involves doing matrix algebra. Who here's done matrix algebra? Yeah, me too. That's it. It's horrible and it's evil and you don't forget it. We don't, no one does those by hand. There's, no one does these by hand, frankly. Really, t-tests. Eh, I shouldn't say that. But typically you don't. Typically your data is already in a spreadsheet. Why not? You can do this, by the way, with Excel as well, or Google Docs does it, like Google Drive. So there, and there are online tools out there that'll do it too. Okay, so if you do next year, let's say when you're doing your thesis, or this year when you're doing your thesis, how many groups do you have, Sam? How many groups do you have? You two. Oh, just two? So you probably might be doing a, a, a t-test, do you think so? Yeah? Well, if you are, you might want to look if Talk to your advisor about this. Don't just listen to me. 
but you might want to look at the personal degrees of freedom just see what it says. If it's the same as this, just use the one with the full ones because people understand that better. Always see, and that's, that's what you almost always see in the literature. You never see partial degrees of freedom. But the reason is because no one's taught it. And it's always so close. The partial degrees of freedom answer is actually a more accurate answer. But we're using this. We are interested in statistics for fun. We're using this. We're using these tools simply to get somewhere. We're using them as, as tools, not as an end in and of themselves. There are some assumptions. You have a simple random sample. A simple random sample is just literally where you have a sampling frame that has every possible subject on it, and you randomly select subjects, or as they say in statistics, experimental units, from you hope the population. No restrictions. Does that ever happen? No. Does it matter? Nope. Not really. You violate the hell out of that assumption. It's great. You can really violate it. The T test is really resistant to violations of this assumption. It's great. Independence of observations. You can't violate this. The math that's behind this makes a very it makes an assumption. Now, those of you guys that have done a little bit of even advanced math in high school know that a lot of times when you're doing like an identity or something like that or any algebra, the problem will say, assume the following. Well, this is one of the assumptions. One of the assumptions is each observation is independent. So if I know one score, I don't know anything else about another score other than that it's a score. Okay? So if I know Bree's number, like her score on something, I don't know Marie's number. They're independent of each other. You can't violate that. You violate that, and in fact, it all falls apart. And you might think, well, why does the math fall apart? Because it's an assumption of all the deeper math that's behind this. The nice thing is we can usually deal with that pretty easily with design. That's easy to deal with with design. So that's fixable. Okay, so that's, that's a design question. That's not really, well, it matters to the statistics, it is really a design question. There are statistical techniques that can use dependent observations. They are this. And finally, you need homogeneity of variance. Meaning the variances of the different groups are the same. Now, they're never exactly the same. But this is a null hypothesis assumption. Because the null hypothesis says the means, the groups are equal and the variances are equal. The means are equal and the variances are equal. So the stuff you're calculating, these S squareds have to be pretty much the same. You can violate this pretty, not as badly as you can violate a simple, simple random sample, 
I've seen uh, statistical papers. Yes, that's right. I've read statistical journals. It's really fun. Um, where they, they play around with this, and they violate simple random sample to the point of using, um, making everything gone. It's beautiful, and it, it still doesn't really affect anything. But when you violate this, and roughly around, you can violate the point. But around four to one, that's when you say, well, one is four times different than the other one. As a rule of thumb, you say, okay, I'm going to pull the variance, or I can look at that partial degree of freedom technique that comes on a computer, or I could use some other technique other than a t-test. Or finally, what about changing the numbers? And you say, wait, wait, you can't just subtract three from all of them or something. No, 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 nothing like that. But you can transform your numbers. You can make it, make it, maybe it's a scale problem. And remember the first homework assignment, you have a transformation on there, right? You turn inches into centimeters, or centimeters into, I can't remember, centimeters into inches. That's a transformation. They're both measuring exactly the same thing. Centimeters, height in centimeters and height in inches are completely perfectly correlated. But you multiplied by a number and it changed the variance, didn't it? It has to, the numbers change. But typically we can deal with this. You're not going to have two groups that have four times different variance. It's not out of thing. What you're typically going to have when you do this with, with, a, with, a, with some SAT software is it'll come out and you'll get your three answers for variance is equal, variance is pooled, and partial degrees of freedom, and they'll all, both, they'll, all three of them will have the same, almost exactly the same p-value, and all three of them will, have almost, will, all, will agree on the significance or not. That's just the way it works. Okay, does anybody have any questions about this stuff today? I know it's a lot. And I know it's been a while for some of you to play with p-tests, and that's fine. All right? Thank you, everybody.
thanks for listening to the lecture. Um, all of the audio is available, of course, on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you're using. Just search for da uh, Dr. Dave Broadbeck's uh, Psychology Lectures from Algoma University, which is the most ungainly title ever. Uh, these are released under a sh uh, um, Creative Commons copyright share like 3.0 Canada. Uh, you can't use these for commercial purposes. Um, you feel free to share them uh, and feel free to mash them up any way you want. But if you do that, that means I get to do the same thing with your stuff. Sort of like the GNU license. Um, I hope you learned something. But if you didn't, I, unless you're one of my students, I really don't care. Um, the music, by the way, for each uh, song, for each uh, uh, episode, <laughs> lecture, uh, is uh, available. They're all podcast, uh, like Podsafe music. So if you want to uh, find out about the bands, there's links on my website at people.aoc.ca slash broadback. Uh, if those links don't work, just contact me and I'll find, uh, I'll find out. Um, often I put links uh, actually in the, uh, if you want to call them show notes or blog posts. So, uh, you know, buy these people's music. They're, they're making the stuff available out there. Uh, thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.